hi welcome to another episode of experiencing motherhood single and black i am your host kim and i'm so excited that you have decided to tune in and listen if this is your very first episode welcome if you are a part of the community here welcome back Today, we are talking all about ending the check-to-check cycle. I know the struggle is so real when it comes down to single moms and their finances, and we have to put an end to this. You know, the year is ending, and we have to start setting our 2020 goals. So before we hop into this episode, I want you to take a moment, pause this and go get a notepad because you're going to need to take some notes. Okay. So if you're driving in your car, maybe you want to wait till you get home or you want to listen in the morning before the kids get up or at night when the kids are sleeping. Okay. Now I'm chatting with Diana who is on this journey to paying off her debt. She is at a place where she has ended the check-to-check cycle and shares with us what she has done to get where she is today. So without further ado, let's get right into this episode. Hi, Diana. Welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you on. How are you doing? Hey, I am excited to be here. I'm doing good. Awesome. Can you take a moment to just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yes. Well, my name is Diana and I am 28 years old. I'm a mom of two. I have one boy and one girl, so I'm done. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. No, I'm just <laughs> and my daughter, she's actually turning seven um, this month on Thanksgiving. Oh. So I will have a seven-year-old on Thanksgiving, and my son is two and a half. Oh well, happy so I have... birthday to her. Thank you. Yeah, my daughter is six. She'll be seven in February. So I know, like, <laughs> what is like? Oh my God, we are in the same six going on sixteen. I feel yes. Oh my gosh, she knows everything. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what I want to talk about today, Diana, is sort of breaking this check to check cycle. And I realized that you have been on this journey maybe three years yes. or so. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But I've had some moms on to talk about, you know, their journey to debt freedom, but I haven't had anyone on yet to sort of talk about um, the journey while they're actually on it. So I thought it would be good for you to kind of share with us what that has been like for you. Now, can you tell me um, how much have you paid off in debt so far? I started my official debt-free journey in September of 2016. So today I have paid off over $19,700 in debt. Wow. Congratulations on that. That's a huge milestone. Thank you. (laughs) You It sounds crazy writing it out. (laughs) No, I mean, it must feel so good to be like, yes, I am doing this. I have paid this off and I'm not looking back. I'm going to keep going forward. Yes, that is the main thing. Like you really don't feel like you're doing much, you know, during the time that you are paying off debt and it's easy to feel like, you know, your wins are really small. But when you really take the time to write out everything and compare where you are now to where you, 
you were when you started, you're like, wow, like I'm, I'm really doing this. So that's literally how I feel right now. And I actually have one year left before I'm completely free of debt, hopefully if everything goes right. So um, it feels absolutely insane <laughs> to think that <laughs> I'm that close to like the finish line. Yes, that's amazing. So whenever you first got started on this journey, um, did you have a full-time job or were you working part-time? Because I remember reading a post that you wrote and you mentioned something about having a part-time job and only making around 20000 or so. So what was that like whenever you first got started? Because I want people to understand where you have come from. Yes. So um, I actually started a debt-free journey once. And that was when I was part-time. So my real official journey where I did not quit, uh, did not start until 2016. But beforehand, I was paying off debt mostly my auto loan, because that was just a huge burden on my finances at the time. And I remember my paychecks were only like 525 at that time, because I was a college student, and I was also a mom. So I couldn't really hold down a full time job since I was a full time college student. So my paychecks were 525. And my car payment was 495. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So basically, I was having to give up a whole paycheck a month to pay for a car that I got. And it sounds crazy, but I literally feel like my car kind of turned my life upside down. It was something that I wanted so bad, you know, when you're young, you're more so worried about your outside appearance and -hmm. appearing to be, you know, financially fit. And that's kind of where my mindset was when I got the car. And it was not until I became a mom that I realized that I really put myself deep in the hole. So I was driving around a car I could not afford. Um, So that was where I was when I first started. And I realized that I had to do something about my financial situation because it was so bad that I actually stole $50 from my job because I couldn't afford to pay for my daughter's daycare fee. And I was on a deep discount at that time. So it was just $50 a week, but even $50 a week was way too much for me. Wow. And I, yeah. So I remember not being able to pay daycare the upcoming week. And if I didn't pay daycare, then I couldn't go to work. I didn't have PTO at that time because I was part-time. I had no vacation days and I I knew that I had to go to school because everything was riding on my degree. I felt at that time that my degree was the golden ticket out of this paycheck to paycheck lifestyle. Um, so I actually, it, it sounds so bad. So I stole the $50 from my job so that I could get to my job and so that I could get to college So that's where I first started. Unfortunately, you know, we kind of get the best of ourselves. We are our biggest critic. I felt like at the time, like many others uh, that I hear from, that I just couldn't do it. You know, we hear the excuse, you're a mom. I'm a mom. I have kids. I I can't do this. Paying off debt and saving money is just not something that I can do. I got in my own way. 
and actually quit my debt-free journey and did not start it up again until I would say that was around 2014. So two years later, when I was in a much worse financial situation because of credit cards at that time, I had moved out of my mom's house, even though I was giving up one paycheck uh, a month. And so when I started up again in 2016, I now had credit card debt. I had graduated college. So I graduated college in August of 2015. And I was always someone, I wasn't bad with money, but I was not goal driven, I guess you you could say. Okay. So I was always good about, you know, paying my bills on time, but I did not have any specific goals. So at the start of my debt-free journey, I had applied to uh, a company that I knew that I could use my writing degree in eventually. And so I was very strategic in where I had applied. So I got on bottom of the totem pole as a CSR. So around the start of my official journey, I was making $15 an hour. So about $32,000 a year. So when I started, my total debt that I had um, added up was 34000 a little over $34,900. So my debt was actually more than my annual income at that time. And I think what inspired me to pick up the journey again was I was always someone that was, you know, well, I, I can show you. You don't believe I can do it. I, I can show you. So I was kind of challenging myself and I felt like how society views single mothers, especially black single mothers. Mm-hmm. And I was challenging myself to see if I could do it. And I was like that way in college too, when all of my friends were taking breaks, I was like, I, I can't take a break. I, I have to prove something to myself and to others. And it was that that got me motivated to start up again to show everyone that I was not just a statistic. Um, because I think when I fell pregnant with my daughter, I fell pregnant with her uh, my sophomore year in college. I had. Oh my gosh, me um, too. <laughs> I kind of disappointed. I feel like I disappointed not only myself, but my family. Family, yes. I was, <laughs> yes, I was the first one to go to, to college. Go to college, come on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I feel like my family looked at me as, you know, not their way out, but the one that they could brag on. Yes, exactly. That was and, <laughs> and my sister actually called me. She was like, oh, she's there's your perfect child, your perfect child. So that's yeah. Oh my gosh, no way. (laughs) My sister literally called me the golden child. Oh my gosh. So that is how they viewed me. And then when I fell pregnant, um they they didn't say it, but I could kind of tell that they they were a little nervous Mm -hmm. that I I wasn't going to make it. And my mom from day one, I always remember my mom calling me hard headed. But I'm very resilient and I don't give up. And I know that about myself and I'm blessed to have those qualities. So for me, it was something personal. And I was like, you know, you you tell me I can't do it. And people say that there's no way you can live without debt. But I'm kind of like, 
you know, I'm, I'm going to show you that I can do it. And then I'm going to go back and I'm going to show others exactly how I did it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess one of the things that I hear a lot with moms is they don't have enough money. Like, so they're always, Mm -hmm. if they do create a budget, they have a hard time sticking to it. And so my question is, how did you actually create a budget and stick to it when you got your full-time job? I hear a lot as well, even from family and friends, um, everyone is like, oh, a budget? It's kind of like something that you don't talk about. And a budget to everyone, it has a bad reputation. I'm not quite sure why. I think I know why. But everyone automatically assumes that you can't have fun, that you're cheap if you're on a budget, and they don't want to restrict themselves. So whenever I first created a budget, I'll be completely honest, like my first few budgets were a complete bust because mm-hmm. I was not mentally prepared. It, it wasn't the budget that was the issue. It was my mindset. And I feel like it's, it, that's, the mindset is something that everyone kind of forgets about. Mm-hmm. So to me, before you even create your budget, you have to get yourself mentally prepared um, to follow this financial plan that you set for yourself. Because if you tell yourself that, you can't do it, you can't stick to it, then you're not going to stick to it because you've already declared that you can't do it. So what incentive do you have for following that budget? And I also feel like when you create a budget or when I created a budget, one that I finally stuck to, um, it was because I was actually being realistic with myself. So I was realistic with where I was financially at that time whereas before I was kind of just creating a budget for the vision that I had in my mind what I would like to be able to allocate to savings you know and to debt but realistically I could not afford to give that much and I feel like whenever people create a budget if they're not in the you know, the, the 500s with their savings or their debt payment, they kind of just throw it out the window because they're like, this is not even worth it. But even if it's just 10 to $50 that you have on there, you're doing it. Even if it's just a dollar, you're doing it. And to be able to stick to a budget besides just mentally preparing yourself, um, you have to have, I feel like goals, you have to have clear set goals for why you're even creating the budget and a strong why, of course. Mm -hmm. And for me, my why was my daughter. And my why was paying off debt and to be able to give her a life that I really did not have because my parents didn't have anything set back for me. Whenever I left and went to college, I didn't have anything. So I was kind of on my own financially. So being able to break that generational curse, that was a strong why for me. Um, And to just show everybody and especially myself that I could do it. That was the motivation that I needed to finally stick with it. And um, of course, being realistic about where I was at that time with that budget. I feel like if you go into it, um, knowing exactly what you are trying to accomplish and 
kind of easing yourself into it instead of just going cold turkey and maybe because you've heard a financial guru say cut this out and cut that out, then people will be able to see their budget in a different light. Yes. Now, when you talk about budget, there are some different methods, right? There's a zero-based budget method. There's just like this general method where you just write everything out, all of your expenses and subtract it from your income. So kind of talk about what you actually do, like what you did in the beginning and what you currently do now, because I think some people actually have a hard time with actually developing their budget, right? So can you talk about that? Yes. So first, whenever I first created my budget, my, uh, my paycheck kind of fluctuated. So I had, a, I actually created a budget per paycheck. Okay. Um, and I think an easy way to do it is, you know, those expenses that are going to be the same every month. Mm-hmm. So like your, your rent um, and your cell phone bill and your utilities, those are going to be the same. So when you add up all of those expenses that you know don't change, um, it's a lot easier to do. What I did with the basic budget, when I budget per paycheck, I just divided it up into two. And for those that have pay that fluctuates, I like to say gather the last three to four paycheck um, and find the average or you can just use the lowest paycheck that you've had um, and kind of use your best judgment, kind of try to see if they vary by like $30 or $40, and then you can use that lowest paycheck and add that 30, 40 variable to it. Then whenever I got paychecks, my paychecks kind of stabilized. I moved on to zero-based budgeting, and that's the method that I swear by that had like changed the game for me. Zero-based Oh, zero base. Okay, what I was talking about. Zero base. (laughs) For those people that don't know, though, um, can you break down zero base budgeting? Because I've talked about it before, but they may not recall it. And so I just want you to tell them what it is. Yes. So with the zero base budgeting method, you are zeroing out your spendable income. So whenever you write down your income and your expenses. So let's say your expenses are 1600 and your income is 2000 a month. That means that you have $400 left in spendable income. Instead of just letting that $400 hang out, you give every single dollar a specific job. So you'll go back to your budgeting categories and depending on your goals and what you're trying to accomplish, you will allocate that extra $400 to those different budget categories to get it down to $0. That way you're not wondering, you know, what goes where, you know exactly what is going where. And uh, whenever that money is used up, it's gone. Yes. So I love that. And I think you mentioned this before on one of your posts. It's like, you know, when you think about a budget, it's not a sacrifice and it shouldn't feel like one. It's just a way for you to tell your money what to do. And so when you talk about reviewing your budget, what are some things that you do and how often do you review that budget? So I like to review my budget. I do it monthly now um, since 
every paycheck is now the same and my expenses really don't vary. Um, but I do like to go back and review my budget every month just to see if I need to change up anything, um, make sure they're still align the budget's still aligning with my current goals. Um, and recently, I um, went back for just for the the winter time since you know we're mostly inside, we're not really out that much, um, and cut back on a few expenses to up my my debt payment. Uh, but a few things that I like to look out for whenever I'm reviewing my budget is where that I've kind of been overspending. And if you've been overspending, like in your personal funds or your grocery budget, it's time to revisit um, that budget category because that's indicative that something is not really working. So it can be a spending problem or it could be that you weren't really realistic with that budget category and you need to allocate more funds to that. Because a lot of times, um, as I think I mentioned before, we like to budget by what we would like our, our grocery budget to be, but realistically it, it needs to be a little bit more. So we have to be realistic when we go in and create our budget just so we're not overspending because if we overspend in one category, you know, you're, you're gonna have to borrow from a different category and that may knock the whole budget completely off. Let me go back a little bit so you know initially whenever you create the budget and you're trying to do the zero based method what if mm -hmm. someone's expenses actually are more than their income so to say they can't even zero out they're in the negative um did you ever experience that in in um your journey and if you did how did you handle it or if you did not what advice do you have to a mom who's like you know listening to the podcast and they're like okay let me go and let me write down my income let me write down my expenses and then they're like man I'm in the red you know yes so yes that was when I first created my first budget I was horrified to find out that my expenses actually exceeded my income and I could not figure out for the life of me why I was so broke. And that was because I was spending way more than what I was bringing to the table. And so if someone is in the red and they're trying to do a zero-based budget, I like to say you need to go back, gather your last three to four bank statements. It's going to hurt. It's going to burn to see where your money is going. Um, but you have to track your spending to see what you're spending the most on. And if it's something that is not an essential expense, of course, we don't like to hear the word sacrifice, but you're going to have to go in and you're going to have to reduce and cut out what's not aligning with your goals and your values. So for me, whenever I, I found out that my expenses were exceeding my income at that time, I like getting my sew-ins done. So my sew-ins were around like $400 like every three months. And also I was getting my nails done. So my spending was not really aligning with the financial goals that I had set for myself. So I had to cut out the beauty. I had to cut out the shopping 
and the fast food. And I think fast food is everyone's weakness. A lot of people. Ooh, yes. I say, I say. <laughs> Especially for our mom life. It's like, <laughs> yes. get you a burger. <laughs> exactly. Like I, I'm, I'm exhausted. I've been working all day. We're going to go through this drive through. Yes. <laughs> but, and I, I tell a lot of people like you are going to want to puke when you grab those statements and you add up all of these transactions and you see how much you've been spending on things like fast food or beauty or anything that's not like an essential expense, like your rent. Um, and then depending on what you have been spending on, it's time to go in and cut and reduce and make a plan to get your, your expenses down to where I wouldn't say if you don't want it to really equal your income because you're really stuck in that paycheck to paycheck cycle. Um, but you want to at least get it a little lower than your income, just so you have a little bit of spendable income to apply to those goals that you set for yourself. Okay. So we budgeted, we got our budgets in order. What's next? What did you do after you had created your budget? Okay. So after I first created my budget, then I had to, um, after we have the budget, we have the goals. And my main goal at that time was to get down um, my auto loan and my credit card debt. Because at this time, my credit card debt was up to like $5,000. And to some that may not be a lot, but to someone that does not have a lot of money, it, it can feel like tens of thousands of dollars. Um, so next step would be to determine what your minimum debt payment would be. And when I say minimum debt payment, that's calculating how much you can apply to your debt. And that's not your literal minimum debt payment. So for me, um, depending on what the minimum actually was, I went in and calculated how much I could apply extra to that minimum based on my budget. And in the beginning, it was not a lot. So it was like an extra 10 20 $30 that I could put on top of the minimum payment. But even still, that extra ten or twenty dollars is helping to make a difference because you're because you're cutting back on interest, and as your debt balances decrease, your spendable income increases. So it, it takes a bit of time to get that snowball rolling, but as the train gets rolling and your balances start to dwindle, you will slowly find yourself with more and more money to beef up that payment. And that's what happened to me. So after creating the budget and finding out how much I could apply each month to my debt payments, like at least the very minimum, that's not including like incentives or anything, um, then it was just about maintenance mode. And that's just staying consistent which is really hard to do and continuing to make those payments even though it may not look like your balances are moving that much and it's frustrating when it feels like you're not doing that much that's just staying in that maintenance mode keeping up those debt payments um, and 
slowly but surely gaining traction on your journey. Okay. So whenever, you know, you talk about, you know, you've budgeted, you've set your financial goals. Now, you know, where your money is going. So can we talk about creating checking accounts and saving accounts? Is that something that you did after you set your goals or did you already have those in place before you set your goals? No. So actually I am someone that has, I have around six bank accounts. Okay. And I actually talk about um, setting up multiple bank accounts to trick yourself into sticking to your budget. And that was also a game changer for me when I learned that you could do this. So depending on your budget categories, like you have your bills, you have your gas, you have your groceries, um, you will set up different checking accounts and you want to make sure that they're free, just free basic checking accounts. Um, And you will, uh, depending on that budget category, make that checking account specifically for that. So for me, I have a checking account for all of my bills, that's utilities, rent, cell phone bill, those type of expenses. I have an account for gas and groceries, they share one. And I have an account for my personal funds. And um, I have an account, it's like a checking account that I use for my emergency funds. So that's one, two, three, four. Then I have a, a savings account, a basic savings. And then I have one for sinking uh, funds. And so depending on your budget categories, whenever you have separate accounts, And it's a lot easier if you do it via direct deposit. Like most employers, I would hope, offer that now where you can set up payment elections to go to different bank accounts. Um, So depending on your budget, when you have one, it's really easy to do. Based on that category and that account, you will set it up to where each paycheck is deposited into that account. And when you do that, you're sticking to your budget, even though it doesn't really feel like it. And it makes it a lot easier to keep up with your balance so you know exactly how well you are doing, how much money you have for that specific budget category. And when you separate out your expenses from your personal funds, sorry, excuse me. Oh, you're fine. Separating out your expenses from your personal funds, which I think is number one, um, it's a lot easier to know what part of your balance goes where. And you know, if you you YOLO a little too much, that your at least your bills are not going to be affected by it. So you're not borrowing money from one category when you really shouldn't, and shorting yourself on an expense that is important like rent just because you you couldn't help yourself going to sonic that day you know and if six bank accounts is a little daunting i at least say consider setting up a separate account for all of your bills 
at the end of the day, at least you know that your bills will be paid and that account will not be affected by the little oopsies that you may have along the way. Yes. So I like that you talked about direct deposit for your savings account. So actually talking about automation, right? So just automating your bills, automating your savings, things Mm -hmm. that helps. And then you know what, one thing I wanted you to break down for them is sinking funds, because if they haven't sort of dug into this whole um, debt-free community, they may not know what sinking funds are. So can you take a moment to tell them what that is? Yes. So sinking funds, it's like a savings, but it's for a specific expense. So like with your savings account, it's just for financial security. But if you have a, it it doesn't necessarily have to be a short-term goal, Uh, But if you have something like you want to save up for a new laptop or a a new flat screen, you will set up a little mini savings account, I like to call them. And depending on how much you need to save, you will make little deposits here and there. And then whenever you get to your target goal, then you will just withdraw those funds and go out and make the purchase. And I like using sinking funds um, because it's kind of like a guilt-free way of purchasing things that you want because, you know, you saved up for it in advance. So it's just a savings account or a savings that has a specific intent. Okay, thank you for that. Back to actually um saving so there's this whole philosophy of paying yourself first what do you think about that did you actually do it in the beginning of your journey and what do you do now so at the beginning of my journey no I did not pay myself first so I basically paid out everything else my bills and anything that I had left over then I would throw those little scraps to savings. And it wasn't until, you know, the pop-up expenses started to come up and they really didn't start taking a toll on my financial journey, of course, until I started on my credit card debt. So I would consistently get stuck in what I call the yo-yo effect. And that's when you pay a little off and then you're running low on money. So you swipe the card again. So the balance goes up you pay a little off again, and then you wind up needing the card again. And it wasn't until I learned that I'm needing to have a savings, something like a safety net, a padding uh, to get out of this cycle that I started to include the pay yourself first in my journey. So now I have a, I have it automated. So I have a portion of my savings direct deposited into a savings account um, that is just there to increase, you know, um, wealth. It's, It's not really a specific intent. And then I have a specific amount that goes to my emergency fund, which is for, you know, just in case the car breaks down or something unexpected goes wrong, I have funds to essentially cover my butt, which helps me to not go into more debt. 
Okay, awesome. So, and did you set a percentage in the beginning or did you sort of just pick an amount? Like you said, maybe $10, $15 um, out of your check, every paycheck, and then you increase that over time or how did that work for you? Yes. So at first I could only afford to set back $15 per paycheck. So I was only saving $30 a month because that's all I could afford. Um, but saving is saving, you know, it doesn't really matter what the amount is. It's just that you are setting something back for yourself. Even if it's $10, whenever you really need that money, you're going to be thankful for that $10 at the end of the day. Um, and then as my debt decreased, and of course, when your debt decreases, you have more money, more room in your budget. I was able to increase my savings. So I went from putting back $30 a month to uh, being able to put back $400 a month. So I went from $360 a year to, I'm going to say $4,800 a year. And that was simply because I was paying down debt. My income was increasing because I was, of course, getting raises, annual raises, and I had gotten to promotions uh, at my job as well. So I had more income to put into savings. Okay. Also, I, I see that you post a lot about cash and using cash envelopes. So let's talk about those. How effective do you believe they are? Because I think I saw a post where you um, had a wallet where you did a, the cash and clips. You didn't have the envelopes anymore because I think they didn't fit or something. So yes, <laughs> yeah, talk about <laughs> those because some people say it's too much and then they have the electronic envelopes now where you just like, I think there's an app where, you know, you can put money in different envelopes. So it's kind of like tricking your mind in a sense, but some yes. people say that paper is always, but like actually having a cast so you can physically see it, it's better. Yes. To me, physically having the cash just does something psychologically to where you do not want that money to leave your hand. So I did try, I'm not quite sure what the app was, but I did try the app and it was just, it was too confusing for me um, because it didn't actually remove the money from my account. So I would have to go in and physically move things around and it just got way too overwhelming for me. So I got on the cash envelope game, I want to say early this year and putting that together with my zero-based budget Normally, I would come right on budget, so I wouldn't really have much that I would be under budget, but since switching to um, using cash, to me, it was also a game changer because I started to come under budget, and I would use the money that I came under budget to add to savings or to debt payments. Um, so I did start off using the cash envelope, and I won't lie, it did get a little overwhelming having to carry around, you know, paper envelopes. Uh, and it's like different, three, I had three different ones at the time. And it was a little overwhelming. And whenever I got the wallet, it didn't fit. So I just switched to uh, like paper clips. And, and I still use the paper clips. It works fine. Uh, but to me, I think when you have cash, 
you are a lot more intentional with your spending because you're physically seeing the effects of your spending habits, what they have on, on your money. So instead of you just blindly swiping your card, it's easy for us to dismiss the, the amount of the transaction because we're not seeing how it affects our bank account. We're just blindly swiping and we're just letting technology do its thing. So that, that transaction is happening on the back end. So it doesn't really hurt that much. But when you switch to using cash, you see that $20 turn into nothing but a few cents. And so you're able to say, okay, wow, now I see why my money dwindles so fast. So the next time around, you're looking at your money in that envelope and you're, you're thinking twice before you make that purchase. And for me, um, even little purchases like coffee or fast food, I'm like, you know what, I don't really need it because I'm looking at the money that I have available in my clip. And I don't want to see it go. You become a lot more stingy with your money. And so it's kind of slowly making you more intentional with your spending. And it, it becomes kind of like a game uh, where you, you don't want that money, that cash to dwindle. So you're going to do whatever you can to keep it in that clip or to keep it in that cash envelope. Um, and for me personally, I don't use it for every single budget categories. So like my bills, I, I still keep my bills uh, in the online account. I just let technology do its thing because all of my bills are on uh, bill pay. Uh, but for the expenses that I had the most trouble with, like groceries um, and my personal spending, I did switch those to cash uh, because I know that I needed a little extra help staying within budget with those categories okay that makes a lot of sense let me see you have created the budget you have cut your expenses you set your goals but you feel like you need more income like your full-time job or I guess maybe part-time job is just not enough. And I remember in a previous post you mentioned, I guess one of your Instagram posts, you mentioned that you side hustled yourself to exhaustion. And so what yeah. do you have to say about side hustles? Because, you know, I, we talk about side hustles a lot and then you wonder like, are they really worth it? Um, every little bit does help, but you know, it's like, you're the sole provider for your kids. Maybe, um, you get support. Maybe you don't. What do you have to say about those side hustles? Okay. So for side hustles to me, I guess it just depends. It depends on how much income is you're getting from that side hustle. Uh, for me, I side hustled whenever I was in credit card debt and it was completely worth it. So at that time, I knew my income was just not going to cut it. I had just started uh, with my full-time job. So I was still at around $32,000 a year, $15 an hour. And I was focusing on paying off credit card debt and I was getting frustrated because the little scraps that I had to apply to my credit cards 
it just was not enough. The balance was not moving. So I'm like, okay, I have to do something. Like I have to find a way to increase my income. And so I've always had a passion for writing and uh, a few of the people from college, they knew that I liked to write. So they would pay me to help them with like, you know, their research papers and their essays. So I'm like, okay, so I, I can do this. I can do this for a side hustle. I can just freelance. And so that's what I did. I started uh, freelance writing uh, for clients and I was making up to $400 extra a month. And so I had that extra cash. Of course, I didn't use it all for credit cards. Um, I did apply some to savings and to uh, whatever it is that I was needing. Like if my my daughter's birthday was coming up or any type of events, I had that extra money to fall back on. Uh, but it did allow me to pay off my credit card dip a lot faster. But the long term, it was exhausting. and. I think when you are a single parent, a lot of people don't like hearing the excuse, well, I have kids and I'm I'm doing this by myself. But at the end of the day, it's true. There's only so many hours in the day and your mental health is precious. And I, I think I mentioned that before in an Instagram post, like sometimes you just have to sit back and say, you know, you have to cut back and this is not worth it because you just, you only have one mind. um, And it's a lot harder to come back whenever you're completely burnt out and exhausted and you're having to go to work every day and you're having to come home and take care of your children. So whenever people ask about side hustles, I like to say, find something that aligns with your interests, like your passion, just so you're not easily burnt out. And do it when it when you have time and there are a lot of online jobs now that are available for people who can um who want to make a little extra money in their spare time and that's what I love about today because it's it's a lot easier to bring in extra income but to just do it with caution But if I had to do it all over again, I definitely would. I would not go as hard as I did. Um, But I feel like just depending on the time that you have available and how much that side hustle is paying you, it could definitely be worth it. Yeah. So I think when you say um, (laughs) do, you know, what you have time for or when you have time and I feel like you know, a lot of moms say that they don't have time, but I think yes. that it boils down to learning how to actually manage um, your yes. time and actually creating time, right? Because a lot of times, you know, after your kids go to bed, you're up watching TV or watching scrolling TV. on social media. <laughs> and yes. so that hour goes by super fast when you could have spent that hour working on something to get paid for right yeah you gotta learn how to sort of manage your time and then like you said there's tons of opportunities online I remember I've shared the story probably more times than not on here whenever (laughs) I first moved to Houston 
Um, I didn't know how I was going to pay my rent because my full-time job was not enough with all the bills that I had. And so I um, worked for a company that allowed me to basically do customer service from home. And so that's something you can do. But I used to talk about how, you know, tiring it would be whenever I would go work my full-time job. And then I had to go home to clock in to work another, you know, job. Oh my gosh. Yes. So yeah, it like allowed me to pay my rent, of course, and then have extra left over, but it was so draining. So I was like, I don't know that I want to do that again, but now I'm just like, am I really like not going to do that if I could, you know, um, get some extra income to like, you know, commit to paying off some debt. So I don't know. I'm in that space of like, (laughs) um, do I want to go back to that? But I'm like, it's only temporary, right? It's a temporary. My daughter is much older now. She's self-sufficient back then she was like two three so I mean I would just sit her in front of the tv but now you know she can kind of do things for herself and she understands you know that I need to (laughs) do things so yeah I'm just in that space so for anybody that's out there who's sort of wondering and maybe feeling a little guilty about it because I know a lot of times people talk about mom guilt but I don't really struggle with that because it's like Yo, I got to work for us to survive and I'm doing this for us and it's temporary, you know. And it's I, temporary, I, I exactly. And that, you know, some of those moments you can't get back time is like that one thing, like you could budget your money, um, you could budget your time, but the only thing with budgeting your time is that if you don't budget it correctly, you won't ever get it back. With money, you can always exactly. And so it's like just being intentional about the time that you spend with the kids. And so you don't feel bad about it. You know, you don't feel guilty um, for working and going hard as you can. But anyway. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I get it. I I think a lot of it, it's just going to come down to you have to have determination and you have to have hunger. Yeah, because like you shared, like you started one time, but then you fell off. And so whenever I first moved here and I was staying with some family, yo, like I was like, okay, let's do it. You know, I'm paying this stuff off. And then I found myself back in the cycle again. And it's like, no. And so I'm at the point where it's like, okay, at what point are you going to commit and just do it? You know, but like you said, there has to be this sort of shift mentally uh, where you decide, okay, this is my plan and I'm sticking to it, you know? Yes. And you but, have to, yeah, stay motivated. And it's it's easier said than done. Oh, absolutely. Um, but you have to keep that why front and center because that's going to help you continue going when you lack motivation. Yes. It kind of like steps in for motivation. It's just kind of like they rely on one another because there's a lot of times when I'm like I I don't have the energy for this I don't want to deal with this but then you know the why comes front and center and a big why are my kids and it's kind of like it it carries you through those hard times yes oh my gosh so that is so important keeping that wide front and center. Now you mentioned that you had a savings for your kids. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Because I know, you know, you started your journey, you start saving for yourself. At what point did you decide, listen, I need to save for my kids too. Like they need a savings too. 
Yes. So I opened up a a savings account. It's actually a, a college savings plan for my daughter in 2017. And I went back and forth about it. I was like, you know, uh, should I wait until I pay off all of my debt or should I go ahead and just get it it started now? And you always hear that time is your greatest asset. And so when it comes to saving, time is going to be the biggest asset because the more time you have, the more time um, you're, you have for your savings to grow, if, I, if I'm making sense. Um, so after going back and forth about it and doing a bit of research, uh, I went ahead and opened her up a 529 plan. And it's like a, a, a college plan where the funds are invested in like stocks and bonds. And I did that because one of my main reasons for starting this journey is because I want to give my kids something. I want to be able to give them something more than shoes and clothes. I want to be able to give them something that will help them out financially and set them up to where they don't have to work as hard as me. And I, I will work myself to the bone if that's what I need to do to make sure that my kids aren't struggling financially and they have the means to do whatever they want to do and not more so what they have to do. And so at that time, I could only, I think I started off contributing about $10 a paycheck because I think that was the minimum that they would allow me to deposit at that time. So uh, I started off with $10 a paycheck for her and eventually bumped it up to even now it's just that $20 a paycheck, but those little contributions add up. Like over time, it's amazing to see how such small contributions make such a huge difference. Um, so now her 529 plan is a little over $1,000 and she's six years old. So we still have a lot more time. Um, but for me, that was huge for me because it felt like I was doing something for her. I knew I had to do something. Um, and I did not want to wait and miss out on that time and then regret, regret missing that time that I could be putting back something for her, you know? Um, and so I feel like with the savings account that allowed me to have a little peace of mind. And even though I'm not contributing as much as I would like, I at least got started on it. Yes, uh, and my goal. Yeah. And I feel like you, you just have to make the decision to start. Otherwise you're going to just continue to sit on it and sit on it and sit on it. You have to make the decision to start. So I did that even though it's not with as much as I would like. But the goal is to, once I get my debt paid off, then, of course, increase those contributions. Um, but at least I know that, hey, she has $1,000 right now, um, and that will get her a lot further than uh, if she didn't have it. Right, absolutely. So I noticed that you don't stick to a specific person's idea of, 
going on this debt freedom journey, right? You sort of do what works for you. And I know that, (laughs) you know, a lot of people are either like Dave or sticking to what he said. (laughs) Um, Baby steps one and two. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And I won't lie. It it wasn't until I joined the debt free community on Instagram that I learned how hard people go for you know, these set in stone steps. I feel like your personal finance journey is personal. And so it's kind of, it's it's difficult to customize someone else's ABC. And with Dave Ramsey, I'm not a huge Dave Ramsey fan. So I kind of just pick and choose what baby steps that I want to abide by, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So, and whatever works for me, like I, um, I'm not a two income household. I don't make a ton of money. So I, I have to do what works for me and what feels best for me and what feels comfortable for me on my journey, even if other people uh, don't agree with that. So I, I, I'd like baby step you know, number one, I, I am a baby step number one of the thousand dollar baby emergency fund, but everything else, I kind of just hopscotch around it and I kind of play it by ear. So I, I dipped into investing, even though I'm not technically, if you follow Dave Ramsey, you're not supposed to invest until, uh, with after all of your debt is paid off. I think people just have to kind of realize that their journey is not everyone else's and to do what works for them because you can't force that upon yourself otherwise it kind of causes frustration and yeah I, I don't know I hope I, I'm hoping making sense with yeah, that yeah. you can't basically <laughs> try to take something that somebody else has created and apply it to your life because it's not the same yes um, everybody has these different things happening in their life where their income is different and they may not be able to do the same steps that you did but they can take some steps and actually apply those right so it's like do what you can exactly exactly and I feel like you and your values are different Mm -hmm. you know and people's values are different for me I investing is something that I'm very interested in and I didn't want to wait until another year or two from now to start investing um so it's all about just finding what works for you and sticking with it sticking to your guns and having the confidence to say hey that doesn't work for me yes I want to know if you have any favorite or I guess um, if it's not favorite, your top financial podcast. And are there actually any podcasts specifically for single moms in finance? Or I don't know if you know of any, but just asking. Um, there aren't any that I have found. Okay. Uh, but you know, if you know any, shoot some my way because I would <laughs> love to listen to them. <laughs> No, I don't. Um, That's what I'm asking. I don't know. No, I have not come across any just yet. Okay, so what about personal finance in general? Who do you like? So I love listening to His and Her Money. Okay. So I subscribe to them 
and they are they're getting to where they are interviewing people who aren't married now because it used to be I think the focus was married couples so I'm really loving the fact that they're interviewing individuals now who aren't married and some who are single mothers there have been quite a few that I've listened to on theirs and I also like listening to Bigger Pockets they actually have two so there's a Bigger Pockets uh, podcast that focuses on uh, bigger pockets money is just basic personal finance, uh, and then there's a bigger pockets that is fo- focused on investing, like real estate. And I think that's called Bigger Pockets Real Estate. Okay. And I also love Black Married and Debt Free podcast by Marcus and Shira, and they are they have like this urban up-to-date uh, feel to their podcast so it's okay. a, it's easier for me to relate and they break things down in a way that's easy for anyone to understand sorry and then I love the I don't do budgets podcast <laughs> <laughs> and she cracks here cracks me up I love the discussions on I don't do budgets because it's like personal finance for millennials. It's interesting. It's she discusses things in a way that is not so personal for us. Can it can be boring? So it's in a way that's not so want want want. So anything like that, I am all down for. And then last one is. Uh, it's called Journey to Launch Podcast. Okay. And that's by uh, Jamila Soufant, I believe. Okay, so thank I think you. Those are all my favorites. <laughs> so now we have this list that we can go to. And then I actually haven't listened in a while, but I used to listen to uh, the Budgetista. Um, well, it's not the Budgetista. It's called Brown Ambition with Tiffany the Budgetista and Mandy. She's oh, okay. For, um, Yahoo Money, but now she works for, I don't know, I can't think of right off the top of my head. But yeah, they have a podcast and Tiffany has literally like blown up over the years. I think yes. started, I remember like I was in her um, Live Richard group when it first started and it's crazy like the growth that she's had since I want to say 2015 because it was when I first moved here I was looking for a work from home opportunity and somebody told me about the live richer group and that's how I found out about this company through that group and it's so crazy but yeah so they have a podcast and um, Patrice Washington she has redefining wealth and so it's not so much you know like budgeting and um real finance but it's more so like you know building wealth and those are just my okay cool off the top of my head but um I know you listen to these all the time so (laughs) thank you so much for sharing your (laughs) list with us now do you have any you know last minute words or tips for the moms who may be interested in getting started with ending this whole cycle of living check to check since, you know, you have really done that. You have um, gotten to the place where now you're not, you know, dependent on a credit card or you're not worrying about where the money's going to come from. You actually have walked this walk. 
Yes. So I think the major takeaways and kind of like what I would like to leave them with is just to take things day by day. Like it's easy to get overly excited and we let our minds wander to that moment where like we're free. And and while it's good for motivation, I feel like too much of that can cause a lack of patience, which can be our downfall. And to continue to challenge yourself and remember that it doesn't matter if you get to your destination running, walking, or crawling. All that matters is that you got there and to get comfortable being uncomfortable because in order to elevate yourself and to put yourself in a a better situation financially, um, you have to get uncomfortable, do things that you wouldn't have done before, like pick up a side hustle, even though you feel like you're super busy um, and continue to educate yourself and to seek out opportunities, you know, opportunities in the workplace for uh, promotions and stuff like that, because I I didn't mention that in the podcast, uh, but promotions for me, that was huge for me uh, to continue to challenge myself in the workplace and to seek out opportunities that uh, maybe others had passed up because they were complacent. And I think when you sit in a place where you're uncomfortable, but you're comfortable being uncomfortable, you're able to see those opportunities that others may miss. Yes, I like that. Thank you so much for taking out the time to chat with me. Thank you for having me. Yes, anytime. So let everybody know where they can find you and where they can connect. Okay, so you can find me on Instagram at moneybossmama.com. And you can also find me on my blog, and that is moneybossmama.com. And I hope for my Instagram handle, I didn't say .com, but it's moneybossmama. Yes, I got it. And I'll put it in the show notes. That way (laughs) they can uh, connect with you there. And then there are tons of resources on your blog. So I encourage you mamas to go check it out. Um, If you're interested in getting started with budgets, I believe you have resources there, right? So they can find that and you have some eBooks. Talk about what you have. Yes. So I actually have two email courses. One is specifically for saving money. So I'm giving the tips and strategies that I use to go from saving $360 to 4,800 per year. And then the other one is uh, paying off debt. That's a free email course that you can enroll in as well. I talk about how I paid off over $19,000 in debt. And I also have a free ebook. It's called Budget Boss. So it's all things budget. I go step by step teaching you how to create your budget, how to stick to your budget. And it also comes with a free budget printable. Awesome. And if you send me the link to that, I will put it in the show notes. That way they can access it. Definitely. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Diana definitely dropped a lot of gems that you can start implementing today, whether it be taking the time to pull out your last four banking statements and figure out where your money is going, whether it's making a list of your expenses and your income, how much you're actually getting every single paycheck, or 
Maybe it's finding a side hustle, something that you can actually do from home or something that aligns with your passion. If you enjoyed this episode, please take out a moment to leave a review if you're listening over on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud. And you can also rate the podcast on Apple Podcast. I really appreciate you guys for sharing the podcast with other moms and family members. I know so many people other than just single moms are listening. So I know that this is a helpful episode. So please um, share it out to anybody that you think can benefit from this information. You can connect with me on Instagram at Single Black Motherhood. You can check out the website, singleblackmotherhood.com. And you can like the page on Facebook, Single Black Motherhood. Thank you guys so much for listening. 